It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 7th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy with you here on a Monday. On And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we're going to talk about the Magic's loss to the LA Clippers combined with the loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll talk mostly about the Clippers game, but I will bring it back and talk a little bit about what these two losses mean for the Magic, especially as we near the midpoint of the season. We'll talk a little bit also about the Magic's game Monday against the Sacramento Kings. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Every team in the NBA is covered by a daily podcast just like this one covering their teams with excruciating detail. I know I will give the listen to Monday's episode of Locked On Kings where I'm sure they will talk all about the epic game between the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings leading into Monday's game against the Orlando Magic. So definitely one worth checking out there, Locked On Kings. But there's a Locked On podcast for every team in the NBA plus a national podcast covering the NBA at large. Locked on NBA, as well as fantasy basketball, locked on fantasy basketball. You can find every NBA team, MLB team, NFL teams, and a growing number of college teams as well on iTunes. Just search for Locked On and the team you are looking for. Things for the second straight night really seem to start off swimmingly. Sure, the Magic weren't hitting a lot of shots, but their defense was on point and they built themselves a 15-point lead on the back of that defense. It's exactly how the Magic want to play. And things looked good. Of course, as Steve Clifford said after Friday's game, the Magic also built a, what was at one point, a 19-point lead. First half leads don't matter. It's the NBA. Everyone has a run, and they figure things out. And playing a 48-minute game is a much more difficult task. And so, of course, with the Magic's lack of depth and and struggles to, to kind of maintain momentum, the Clippers came back, and yeah, it was a tie game pretty much after the first half, and... It was a three-point game pretty much after the third quarter. So we'll flash forward to the fourth. And there, the magic began to break down. There, the Clippers' depth and and their precision began to tear apart the magic. There, Orlando's inability to make shots of any kind began to hurt the team. Yes, it did not take long for the tide to turn. And for Orlando to find themselves down by a a sizable margin after giving up the lead, fighting their way to get back in, and then trailing by 18 points. Lou Williams scored 12 of his 17 points in the fourth quarter. Tobias Harris got going, going to the basket with 28 points. And all the good offense, all, all the good defense, at least, that the Magic had, seemed to collapse. When you get outscored 36-29 in the fourth quarter, a lot of those 29 coming at the end of the quarter. You don't have a chance to win. 
The game was tied at 72 at one point in that fourth quarter. And from then on, I believe LA went on a 17-2 run. Orlando couldn't hit shots. You could see them pressing, getting frustrated. And that affected their defensive attention to detail and effort. To hear Steve Clifford talk about it after the game, he said, you know, without looking at the tape, I thought we got some pretty good shots off. But, you know, I thought our defensive discipline was pretty solid, save for a a small stretch and a few mistakes. Certainly they had them. Going under the screen on Lou Williams is a big no-no. They got caught on some pick-and-roll coverages that were bad. And and this was all as the Clippers were making their run. The Magic's bench kind of let go of the rope a little bit. And the starters couldn't bring it back. Not with the way the Magic were shooting. But he said, you know, largely I liked our shot selection. Shots just weren't going in. And at the end of the day, that's what this game is about. Making shots. Getting shots to go in. And sometimes a game doesn't have much more of an explanation than that. Were the Clippers really 18 points better than the Magic? Probably not. Were they about 10 points better than the Magic on this day? Probably, it was a fair result. But Orlando's always going to find it hard to win when they shoot 37.1% from the floor as they did on Sunday afternoon. They're going to find it hard to win when they're making only 9 of 31 three-point attempts, 29%. And they're going to find it hard to win when they're at about 24 assists. They need that number a little bit up. So despite some big advantages elsewhere, especially early on on the glass, the Magic were superb early on. They locked down the rebound, so one shot for the Clippers on every possession. When you're not shooting the ball well, that becomes imperative. Clippers still end up with 11 offensive rebounds in the game. They shoot 43%, so the Magic's defense was fine. 8 for 22 from beyond the arc. The LA Clippers lead the league in free throw rate. They had only 23 free throw attempts in the entire game. Orlando actually had more free throw attempts at 29. So Orlando did do a lot of things really, really well in this game against the Clippers. The only thing they didn't do well was the most important thing. That's to make shots. I would argue that maybe some of the Magic's drives were a little wild and, and they were getting into the lane and missing runners and, and tough shots around the around the paint. I would also argue that the Magic's shot selection wasn't as good as people, as, as Clifford might have suspected before watching the tape, I'm sure. He'll watch the tape and have a different tune before Monday's game against Sacramento. But I would also say that Orlando's shot selection wasn't terrible. Game came down to making or missing shots. And, and as Stan Van Gundy used to always say, and I'm sure Steve Clifford subscribes to this theory as well, a coach can only put, it's a make or miss league, and a coach can only put players in positions to make shots. At the end of the day, the coach has no control whether those shots go in. And so while the Magic were trying to get other things going, they just couldn't get the open shots to go in. So many players miss some open looks, miss good looks that you know that they can make, and it just turned into one of those days. That doesn't excuse the Magic losing a lead because their defense kind of let go of the rope in that fourth quarter. They had every chance to win this game. They've got to learn, like they did in Mexico City, they've got to learn to win ugly again. And consistency continues to elude this team, both from the fact that they've had big leads in the first half of both these game, these past few games on the road and weren't able to hold on against quality opponents. Again, Chicago, they beat them down. It was over in the second quarter. They put their foot down on a bad team. 
gets two pretty good teams in Minnesota and LA, the Magic couldn't put the foot down. They couldn't make that last extra step. And so, yeah, the Magic still left a little uh, a little uh, to be desired. As you would expect from them. They've still got a lot of work to do. So, what do we chalk this game up to? It's certainly, it's one that you can easily push aside because there is a game Monday night against Sacramento. A very tough game because Sacramento loves to push the pace. If Orlando is stuck shooting shots on the perimeter and missing them, Sacramento is going to run it down their throat. That's what they largely did in the first meeting back in Orlando way back when. And Orlando's defense has got to be on, on point. Their communication and transition especially has to be good if they want to win this game. And so again, Orlando will be challenged. Both challenged to respond and challenged by a difficult opponent. But if coach is right and they are playing well, which I would I don't I think Clifford in his postgame comments was was being a little more positive than you know trying to pump them up a little bit as they go through a go through a little bit of a difficult stretch in the schedule than anything else. I think he was being a little bit overly positive in the moment for strategic purposes, but if they are playing better than their results show, they got to they got to get the results. The results are all that's missing and that's what ultimately matters. The LA Clippers defeat the Orlando Magic 106 to 96 at the Staples Center. A tough loss for Orlando. They did do a lot of things well. Their defense was pretty solid throughout the game until the fourth quarter. Offense just never came. And with this team, that margin for error is so small that it's tough to get over. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's run through the final box score real fast. For the Orlando Magic, they're led in scoring by Aaron Gordon with 17 points, 5 for 17 shooting, 2 for 7 from beyond the arc. That means he was... 3 for 10 on 2-point shots, just 5 rebounds, and 1 assist for him. Um, Surprisingly, though, outside of the end-of-bench guys who had a plus 5, so they turned a 15-point deficit down to 10 in the final 2 minutes, Aaron Gordon was the only player with a positive plus-minus. Now, what does that mean? Certainly, it wasn't for his offensive production. I would say that the thing I was happy about in this game was Aaron Gordon did get his shots. He hasn't had too many games with more than 15 shot attempts lately. I mean, he's had a few of them, but uh, I was glad to see Aaron Gordon get more involved in the offense. I thought he was looking to be more assertive, but not in the ways the Magic want him to be. I thought that he was being more assertive out of necessity rather than out of the flow of the offense, of course. Uh, and I, I feel like the Magic weren't able to get him in playmaking opportunities, and certainly uh, players probably dropped the ball on some of them as well, but Gordon's defense continues to really impress. He's in a really nice defensive groove. I thought he did a really good job on Danilo Gallinari for most of the game. Um, even Tobias Harris, when they were matched up, I thought he did a really good job on him. I thought he looked to attack the post a lot more, which was good. Um, that's definitely part of his game. I want to see him develop a little bit more as well. But Gordon, you know, at the end of the day, it's about results. It's about production. 
The Magic gave Gordon a lot of opportunity. He didn't quite rise to the challenge offensively, although I think he did a lot of things really, really well. I think he did do, uh, he did play a an okay game uh, because his, his game is much more well-rounded than his offense, but overall, just not quite where the Magic need him. Again, it's going to be tough for the Magic when their three best players struggled the way that they struggled. Aaron Gordon shot 5 for 17. Nikola Vucevic, I'll talk about in a little bit, 7 for 17. Evan Fournier, 5 for 11. Jonathan Simmons off the bench, 2 for 10. It's really tough for this team to win when those three players, all three of them, are are not in rhythm and don't have it going on. So, again, a, a, a weird confluence of events there that hurt the team. But, again, when Gordon was on the floor, the Magic's defense was energetic and solid. He, he's really good at setting that tone. He's been a really good player and, and leader on that end all season long, certainly during this stretch. Uh, and so I thought he played, he had, he had plenty of good moments in this game as well. Nikola Vucevic, as I said, 7 for 17 from the floor, 16 points, 8 assists, 24 rebounds. Had it had more than 10 by the end of the first quarter. Nikola Vucevic just gobbled up rebounds. And a big reason why the Magic were able to build that 15-point lead in the first quarter was because they did such a good job limiting the Clippers to one shot. Nikola Vucevic, I think, had 12 rebounds in the first half. Mo Bamba had eight. It was nonstop as every rebound was going to the Magic. Um, that's, again, it's something Steve Clifford has pointed out. I'm going to take a closer look at it here in the coming days. Um, but the Magic's defensive rebound rate has jumped up significantly since the first quarter of the season. So they're a much better rebounding team than they were earlier in the year. And I think that's a big reason why they've been able to stay in games and, and have an opportunity to win games because they're de- and I would, I would imagine their defense has improved because they're giving up fewer and fewer offensive rebounds. In fact, I would argue that that a lot of the problems later in the game were the Magic were, were giving up more p- penetration and, and their defense was a little bit looser, but they also gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. There's one play, I think, where uh, they they gave Montrez Harrell an and one. He missed a free throw, and the Magic were unable to track the rebound out of bounds, essentially turned it over there, uh, and L.A. came down and hit got a Lou Williams series, a big five-point swing in that game. I think it was only a two-point game at the time. Turned it into a seven-point game, and it really felt all downhill from there. So, again, a lot of costly, self-inflicted wounds for the Magic. Uh, but when they were dialed in, especially early on, especially early on with Vucevic, um, the Magic were really, really good. Vucevic was on an early triple-double watch. But it all kind of waned from there. I think um, you know, I think we're really seeing the Magic's lack of shooting. Um, and, and certainly they missed shots in this game. That, that, that had a lot to do with it. But the lack of shooting is starting to depress the, the, the spacing that the Magic have. Um, on too many occasions, Orlando would try to get the ball to Vucevic in the post to get some easy baskets. He would get doubled. He makes the right pass out to the perimeter, whether it's Jonathan Isaac, whether it's Jonathan Simmons, whether it's Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, whoever it is, Aaron Gordon. The three-pointers just weren't falling. The Magic were just unable to make the Clippers pay for their double teaming. And so the Clippers just sagged off everybody. I mean, Jonathan Isaac, I want to talk a little bit more about him uh, in a future episode. Two points, one for seven shooting. I honestly don't care that he shot one for seven. That I I I I I'm, I got into an argument. I got into a little bit of a debate, a discussion with someone online about this. You know, uh, you know, someone saying it's disappointing that six pick isn't ready to play uh, so early in his career, which he is. He's an NBA player. His defense is is still really really good. Um, but yeah, his offense does need a lot of work. Um, and I think right now it's it's more about confidence. Um, there's one play where. Gallinari is just completely ignoring Isaac, uh, just just completely sagged off him, you know, not not even bothering to defend him. 
and Vucevic got the ball, I think it was Vucevic, got the ball to Isaac, and he hesitated to shoot. And that's the one thing he cannot do. He's got to be ready and willing to shoot when the ball comes to him. I don't care if he may, misses it right now. Just be confident enough to take the shot. Be confident in your mechanics. And, I, you know, I've I've watched Isaac's mechanics a little bit, and, and I don't want to question the shot coach, but but I definitely think, that, and, and I, I trust that Bruce Kreitzer, who worked with Kemba Walker a lot on his shot, is going to get Jonathan Isaac's shot moving in a better direction. And I think it is moving in a better direction. But old habits die hard, of course, and it's, it takes a while to kind of retrain what you're trying to do. It, I, I think Isaac's release point's a little weird. I think I think his his timing of his release is, is just a little bit off sometimes. Um, where he releases the ball, um, you know, again, it's just, it, it, it seems like it's still a little bit of a work in progress. And so I can only preach patience. I would just, I just ask Isaac to be confident. He's going to make a good decision. He's got a good basketball IQ. He's, he's, he's not trying to be selfish. I want him to be a little bit selfish sometimes, actually. But um, overall, not. I was, I was more upset that Isaac passed up open shots or hesitated on open shots than he actually missing some of the shots that he took. And actually, the hesitations made his shots more difficult. So he's got to be confident if he's going to be out on the floor. His defense is good enough. He's proven that time and time again. Now it's about bringing offensive consistency and 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 finding his role, which I think is still maybe a little ill-defined because now Isaac is struggling. Mo Bamba has started to really find his role and succeed a little bit. I think the Magic have done a good job turning him a little bit loose and letting him play a little bit more instinctually. Uh, you know, I think he's trusting his teammates a little bit more to cover for him. He scored eight points, three for four shooting, ten rebounds. Like I said, eight in the in the first half, uh, in this first half stint, two blocks as well. Um, so Mo Bama continues to put in some solid performances. Still looks like a rookie. Still gets out coverage sometimes. Is learning the finer points of where he needs to be. But I think he's playing with a lot more confidence and freedom, and and that's always good uh, for a young player as well. So um, other notable guys that 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 did things here: Evan Fournier with twelve, DJ Augustin with twelve, six for seven from the foul line. Did a good job getting at the foul line. Terrence Ross with eight on two for eight shooting. Again, Jonathan Simmons just four points on two for ten shooting, four assists. The backup point guard experiment with Simmons, I would say, is mixed. Um, I think that he is doing a better job passing and, and initiating offense, um, but it's not that different from Jaron Grant, I have to say. Um, you know, I, the Magic need a, a stronger backup point guard, regardless of anything else. And, and I don't know if it's make or break for the playoff race. I, I think there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of panic after losses for whatever reason, and, and, and everyone's kind of a prisoner of the moment. Um, but I would agree that this is a major, major, major thing. The bench is, if the Magic miss the playoffs, it's going to be because of the bench. It's going to be because the bench is not performing in a way that supports the starters, which have been pretty good, uh, and, and 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 it's something that just needs to be fixed. So if Orlando's going to enter the trade market, I would expect them to look for a backup point guard first and foremost. Um, anything else I think is going to be a little dicier. So we'll see what the Magic do. It's We're a month away from the trade deadline, so... Um, time is time is getting getting to it now. Time is to really focus in on what your goals are and what you want to accomplish. You know, I don't know if the Magic are really even there yet because they're still, you know, they're game and a half, two games out of the final playoff spot. Um, so they're in the race. I, I don't think they should they should pack it up yet. But you know, the next two weeks is going to be really critical for the for those trade discussions uh, for the Magic. Uh, but definitely something to think about. 
Magic again shoot 37.1% from the floor, 29% from beyond the arc, 9 for 31. They shoot 21 of 29 from the foul line, 24 assists off their 33 field goal makes. Clippers led in scoring by Tobias Harris, although he shot 10 for 21. 7 for 8 from the foul line, 9 rebounds for him. 17 points for Lou Williams, 12 of them in the fourth quarter. Every Clipper player outside of Jonathan Motley and Sandarius Thornwell with a positive plus-minus, so the Clippers did a good job there. Only Aaron Gordon among the Magic rotation players with a positive plus-minus showing his pretty big impact in the game as well. The LA Clippers defeat the Orlando Magic 106-96 at the Staples Center. The Magic back in action Monday against the Sacramento Kings. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The last two games have followed a very similar pattern. The Magic come out looking pretty focused, pretty energetic. They're able to build a big lead. They slowly see a good team like the Timberwolves and like the Clippers tear down that lead, and then they proceed to struggle offensively and give up the lead and fall behind by double digits. The details of the game, of course, are a little different. The Magic never really played any defense against Minnesota on Friday, uh, and so the Timberwolves coming back was really no surprise. Orlando was shooting 70% to start that game. That was not sustainable, so their 19-point lead always felt a little flimsy. Sunday, it felt like the Magic were in control. Their defense was good enough, and if they could if they could just hit shots at a more consistent clip, then yeah, they could continue building off that lead. It didn't it took a while for the Clippers to to cut into it. It wasn't some burst, it wasn't some highlight real play, it wasn't anyone taking over. Even the fourth quarter, you know, Lou Williams had a couple shots that got the Clippers going, but it was really a team effort to to, to pull away and win that game. And in any case, the Magic were down by three, entering the fourth quarter. They were tied at 72 in the fourth quarter. They had every chance to win that game. And they sort of dropped the ball. And so, these two games get at what's at the very core of the question we're going to ask the Magic for the rest of the season. And I would argue that and, and it was probably always this case, this moment in the season, this road trip, the, the next 10 games, are when the Magic have to decide who they are. Like I said, the trade deadline is a month away. The Magic have some very real and very big decisions to make. Nikola Vucevic will be an unrestricted free agent, and although he is playing at an all-star level, He's not the future. Sorry, Nicola. Sorry, Nick. Mo Bamba's waiting in the wings, playing pretty well. He's not ready to start quite yet, especially if the Magic still want to make the playoffs, but there's a very real question whether the Magic's current best player on the roster will be back with the team next year. Because Vucevic should seek out as much money as he can get. I do not envy him that. He should get paid. Go get yours, dude. 
From there, you also have Terrence Ross. Another guy who's had a career season. Vital part of the Magic's roster right now. Unrestricted free agent. These are both guys that should garner a lot of interest on the trade market. And of course, the Magic can't just give away two key players. They can't sell off important players while they're in the middle of their first playoff hunt in six years. So these decisions have to get made about what direction the Magic go for the rest of the season. Of course, the goal for the players and the goal for the franchise should be to make the playoffs. You don't give that up. While you and I might sit here and talk obsessively about this team and its future, the majority of Magic fans don't care about the salary cap. They don't care about the lottery. They want to go to a game and have a good time. They want a team that they can at least be a little proud of. And after six years lost in the wilderness, Magic would love to make the playoffs just to show the fans that, hey, we're moving in a good direction. Here's a tangible proof of the thing of the things we're accomplishing. And, and even for you fans that, that do care about all the detailed level stuff, nothing increases the value of a player than making the playoffs. If you're constantly out of the playoffs, you're good stats, bad team. You make the playoffs, all of a sudden, that those, those stats, those, those numbers have some meaning. They've resulted in something. So I, 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 I wouldn't completely dismiss going to the playoffs even, even if you get swept. You're on a national stage at the very least. Just something the Magic haven't been on in a very long time. Even if you're on NBA TV. Which, if the Magic play the Raptors in the first round, they almost certainly would. To, to say the least then, the inconsistencies the Magic are facing right now are not troubling, not perplexing. They're a little expected. As, as I've kind of told people who, you know, maybe give into histrionics a little bit over, over losses and over individual, thing, individual things that happen in the season, this is what 500 teams do. They look like world beaters one minute and the dregs the next. It's always about finding your level. It's always about finding that mean, that happy medium. And that's the part the Magic haven't found yet. That's the part that the Magic are still trying to learn. So they're still trying to get rid of some of these bad habits. They're still trying to get rid of the, the belief that you know, when when a team pushes back and, and erases a 15-point deficit, that you can push back too. That that's not the end of the game. Orlando, I thought, did a decent job of that throughout the third quarter in Sunday's game. But ultimately, they couldn't find the shots and you could feel the frustration growing that they weren't able to get the job done. Orlando certainly has its work cut, cut out for it. Because the season can still go in a ton of different directions. And it's somewhat concerning that the same lessons don't get heated. That back-to-back games, the Magic did blow fairly sizable double-digit deficits, regardless of what half it is. That tied in the fourth quarter, the Magic allowed it to become an 18-point deficit. These are things that cannot happen anymore. These are things where the Magic must learn and grow and develop so that they don't happen anymore. And 
That's the part that's still uncertain. The team is still getting blown out on a regular basis. It's been a struggle to build a consistent win streak. And Orlando's lost 10 of their last 15 games, if you can believe it. They've had their ups and their downs to this point in the season. That's to be expected. It's not a straight line from here to there. It's going to be Bamba playing well and then Bamba playing poorly. It's going to be Isaac playing well and Isaac playing poorly. It's going to be Vucevic looking like an all-star and uh, and then on defense sometimes looking like Nikola Vucevic. It's all difficult to bring together, especially when you've never done it before. And so at this point in the season, Orlando has to find the response, both for the long term in the schedule, they have to respond to this two-game losing streak, but also they have to find a response in the midst of the game. To have the resolve and the trust to push forward. And that's the part that's been most inconsistent of all, is that response. And it's at this point in the season when the Magic, at the midpoint of the season, we're at the midpoint of the season Wednesday, after Wednesday night. At the midpoint of the season, the Magic have to really figure out who they are and what direction they want this season to go. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Coming up on Orlando Magic Daily, we'll take a closer look at Jonathan Isaac and his sophomore season and how it straddles between the present and the future for the Orlando Magic. A, a, a difficult question uh, that arose coming out of Sunday's game against the Clippers. We'll be back again tomorrow with a complete recap of the Magic's game against the Sacramento Kings. So until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Wright. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.